This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straub. It is Monday, October 25th, and today we're going to be looking at some key fantasy takeaways from week one as we get into the start of week two. We'll talk some rookies, some lineup combinations, some under-the-radar players, and much more as I am joined on this episode by Jared, Jared Johnson, that's a name I can say <laughs> properly, and Aaron Robinson. In a word, guys, Jared, you first. How was week one for you? Incredible. Amazing. <laughs> That's two, but pretty good. Usually when I say in a word, I'm expecting like five sentences. So two words feels like a win. Aaron, how about you? Uh, I'll go with rookie. Uh, I'm still learning. This is my first time playing fantasy, so I'm I'm definitely taking my lumps. But uh, you know, I, I think I think I'll get in a good rhythm rhythm okay. eventually here soon. <laughs> okay, nice. Well, the word rookie is going to come up uh, multiple times during this podcast. In fact, one of the running themes as we get into some big takeaways from week one, we've each brought two of them. We're going to go around the room here and uh, and drop them on each other. What? And talk about it. We're just going to talk about it. Okay. Uh, Jared, you're up first. Hit us with your first takeaway from week one. Cool. So uh, I'm going to talk about my man, Jalen Money Green. Uh, when I was preparing for this, I was kind of preparing to like tell everyone to stay patient and <laughs> and like it's coming. And then Sunday happened. But before Sunday happened, I actually looked at all of his tape through the first two games. And when I was looking at the tape, I actually got more confident because the shots he was taking were good. Uh, he was getting nice separation on the step back. He was getting past his man, putting him on skates, getting to the rim. It just wasn't falling through the first two games. And he also showed some really nice playmaking skills. And then, of course, uh, we had Sunday's 30.8 triple explosion. The eight triple set a new Houston rookie record. Not only that, but also three dimes of steal and two swats. Uh, so his first two games, he was at 18.9% usage. Uh, on Sunday, is 26.3. So I, I, I really love the way this guy is playing the game. He plays smart. So he wasn't playing very well in those first two games. But instead of forcing up his shot, he played within the game. He was 36.4 at the rim for those first two. It was 60 on Sunday. And, uh, of course, uh, 2 of 11 from distance, 8 of 10 on Sunday. Maybe the inefficiency could pop up again. But it's it's what really excites me about him is it's not just the scoring. He's also, through these first three games, averaging three dimes, 1.3 mm -hmm. steals, and a block with just 1.7 turnovers. Yeah, you got to love it. So I love this guy. And it just looks like... Sunday's explosion is just the beginning, man. I, I'm very excited to have this guy on my team pretty much every league. Aaron, what are your impressions of uh, Jalen Green? I, I, I love Jalen Green. I think Jared knows this. Me and him <laughs> in a few drafts, <laughs> we're going back and forth with, with Cade and, and, and Jalen Green, man. But, I mean, he's just such a special playmaker for that team. Obviously, I think 
you know, they're they're young, so he's, he's going to take his lumps. You know, they're, they're going to have some games that are ugly, you know, like his first two, but you're also going to have those games where he goes off for 30 and, and eight triples as well, man. I think the more that he gets comfortable with, you know, playing NBA games, the, the, the grind of, you know, playing 82 games back-to-back, I think he's going to go he's – gonna, he's going to get more and more comfortable um, as the season goes on, man. So I definitely think patience will be key throughout the season, but I think he, he's going to make a lot of managers happy this year. So all of a sudden he's averaging like 16 points per game and like over three threes per game. Still hasn't gotten to the free throw line. So it's almost like he's he's figuring it out on the fly in the NBA and just dropped 30. So yeah, you have you guys have plenty of reason to be encouraged there. Let's move to your first takeaway from the weekend, Aaron. Yeah, the first my first takeaway is uh, that Harrison Barnes is going to be an issue this season. I mean, um, obviously it's been it's been three games, so a lot of people you know oh don't overreact, but I just like the way that he's being used. Um, in this Sacramento offense, obviously, before the season, Luke Walton was kind of toying with, you know, where he wanted to play him. Did he want to start him? Did he want to bring him up the bench? Did he want to, you know, play him as a, as a three or did he want to play him as a small ball four? And, you know, he, he didn't even play him in some lineups as a small ball five um, throughout this early season. I mean, he's just so versatile. Um, obviously, he exploded the first game of the year with that 36.9 rebound performance. But, I mean, versus Utah, they were tired. He's matching up with, with Rudy Gobert. He comes out of the game with 15 rebounds, you know. So, I think Man. he's just – his skill set is something that's, that's so unique um, with his ability to stretch the floor. Also, with his ability to be able to play the guard position and be able to play down low as well. Um, he's just been shooting the crap um, out of the basketball this year. I mean, he's shooting over 50% from three, 50% from the floor, um, 78% from the line. I mean – He's top 10 in the NBA in scoring right now and top 20 in rebounding. Uh, obviously, it's only three three games in, but I just think his ability to play multiple positions for them can't go unstated. Um, and his ability just to shoot the ball is something that obviously is, is never going to not be valuable in, in today's NBA. So I think um, he, he should be in for a monster season in, in Sacramento with the pieces that they have um, around him as well. I think that he's going he's gonna to be able to, as long as he can stay healthy, he's going to be able to have a, a huge year this, this year. Jared, I think of Harrison Barnes, and I think in recent years we've seen him be like a fast starter, right? But like a couple of those times, like, oh, Harrison Barnes is off to a fast start, but that was kind of the peak of it, right, in October. This feels slightly different, especially since last year he really did sustain mid-round value. I mean, he never really faded. I think he had that career high in assists per game. Like, it does feel like he's getting a little bit better with age, figuring things out. Obviously, we're not going to see him continue to average 28 points per game or whatever that is, but it does feel like a career season, even better than last year, is is realistic, Jared. Yeah, for sure. Uh, when when Aaron brought up Harrison Barnes, Harrison Barnes doesn't get a lot of love at Edge. No. And w- when Aaron brought him up, I was like, huh, Harrison. But then I looked up his stats. I was like, oh, damn, like <laughs> he's doing really good. I think that it's sustainable, man. He's pretty much coming like this could be his best season yeah i i think that's a very doable feat yeah you're right it is that pick that no one goes nuts when you take harrison barnes in a fantasy draft you know you you don't have anyone slamming their keyboard or throwing their phone across the room in anger that you took harrison barnes from them (laughs) but uh it's it's proving to be a very smart pick so far my first Takeaway has not proven to be a smart pick so far. That is Bogdan Bogdanovich averaging just eight points per game through the Hawks' first two games. This is prior to Monday when we're talking. Jared, you and I were kind of going back and forth over the weekend, and you were urging me to bring this up because it sounds like you were a little concerned about Bogdan. The way I look at this is the Hawks have really had two outlier games in their first two before Monday's game against the Pistons. They had a relatively easy blowout win over the Mavs. And then they had a really weird game in Cleveland on Saturday where they just shot horribly. They looked off. 
one of those just rotten games. So I almost throw out both games in some sense when it comes to evaluating or putting too. I don't. I don't, I don't want to put too much weight on on those two games when I look at a guy with Bogdanovich's talent. I do think maybe we have to adjust our expectations a little bit, like given how deep the Hawks are. Maybe you know. Is 20 points per game realistic? Probably not. But this guy's so good. Is 16 to 18 points per game with dimes and threes and some steals realistic? Absolutely. So, I mean, sure. Is it a little early to start thinking about buy lows in fantasy? Probably. But this is a guy that I would put on that list immediately. Yeah. I mean, clearly the potential is there. We all saw it last season. I've, I've just been somewhat concerned by his lack of aggression on offense. Example, like... Game one, really early in the first, he just comes in back-to-back triples. Okay, here we go. And then he took another six shots or something. He's taken, I think, a total of 14 through the first two games. He needs to learn how to play alongside both uh, Hunter. And Cam Reddish has been incredibly aggressive in that second unit. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's it's there. Uh, So, yeah, by low, for sure. I, I, I still have faith. I think the biggest thing um, with the Madonna thing is what you just mentioned is Cam Reddish. I think, you know, him obviously being out of the lineup for a lot of the, for a lot last year and him still, you know, kind of figuring it out last year will allow guys like Herder, guys like Madonna's to kind of have bigger roles. But I think this year he's, we're seeing him through two games kind of beginning to figure it out, being kind of stepping into that mode. And we're seeing why everybody was so high on him when he came out of Duke. You know, I think obviously he's not going to you know, go 20 a game uh, the whole season. And I think the minutes will, will be the hardest part just because the Hawks are so deep. Um, but I definitely think that Bogdanovich is going to get it going here pretty soon. But I think if Reddish keeps playing, well, it could be a situation where he kind of earns more minutes than other guys, whether it be Herder, or whether it be Bogdanovich, just might not get the same the same um, amount of shots. I mean, I know Jeremy mentioned reference to lack of aggression. That, I think, is one thing that might have – that Kane Reddish might have, might have a lot to do with just because of the fact that he's out there playing well and the coaches are kind of letting him mm-hmm. letting him rock out while, while he's out there. So, I don't know. I think we'll have to see, we'll have to see how it plays out. Yeah, with Reddish, I mean, you do have to love the role because he is allowed to come in off the bench and they've clearly told him to be the man with that second unit and just attack. Yes. And, and that's a little different when you're Bogdanovich and you're you know playing with Trey Young and John Collins yeah. and DeAndre Hunter's back. And I think there's a bit of a figuring it out thing that's going on for him because he did so much of his damage when the Hawks were a little shorthanded last year, like Hunter missed so yeah. much of the season. So I just I still am betting on the talent is the bottom line. You know, yeah. we may not see that ceiling that we saw during his peak last season uh, when the Hawks are fully healthy, but I think you're going to get plenty out of him if you draft him in the middle rounds. And I am still not worried. Two games in. And yes, his jersey is right behind me if you're watching on video. <laughs> <laughs> Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway. 
And on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Jared, your second takeaway is... My second takeaway is not one I expected to have no. this season. Alex Caruso is playing really, really freaking well in Chicago. Uh, first three games, eight points, 3.3 dimes, a triple, three steals, a block, 50% shooting, 83 from the stripe. He's flirting with top 55 value in 27.5 minutes a night. Now, I know that Kobe White hasn't played yet. But I was looking at the rotations and how they're bringing him into the game. And they're actually bringing him in alongside Javante Green, which tells me that they're kind of preparing Kobe White to have Javante's spot. Interesting. And they're preparing him to play alongside another guard. Caruso can play off or on the ball. Um, it's not He's not in there to score. He's a really good defender. Chicago has opened this year 3-0, and and he's been a big part of that. And remember, this is a guy who did close out. He started in LA's uh, Game 6 closeout championship bubble win. That's not an accident. So I just think this guy could have sneaky low-end value as kind of like a dimes, triple, and elite steals guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see how the season goes. But I weirdly picked him up everywhere and feel really good about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Caruso. I mean, I think the energy that he plays with, I mean, the, 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 there's a whole different, like, feel around the Chicago team. I mean, watching that game I mean, the other night against uh, New Orleans was just crazy. I mean, Caruso out there catching loud from Lonzo Ball. and right. Lonzo, Lonzo <laughs> yeah. got, got the triple-double. I mean, I think they just have a, a, a energy about them that, that kind of just allows all of them to, to feed off of each other. I think Caruso is a guy that's, that's earned a, a solid spot in that rotation. So he's going to get the minutes. The minutes are going to be there for him. The opportunity is going to be there for him. So I think I don't see any reason why why we shouldn't see um, his production to continue to to you know be where it's at now. And I think you know when Kobe White comes back, obviously the, the scoring might not be the same, but I think you're still going to get the defensive stats. And I think you know like you said, because he can play off the ball or on the ball, there's going to be opportunities for him to get in the stat sheet um, in other areas as well. Yeah. Caruso's kind of doing a light version of D'Anthony Melton, it seems, <laughs> numbers-wise. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you got to like the playing time, 27, 29, and 27 minutes. My only question is the usage. I mean, his his field goal attempts have gone 5, 7, 4 through three games. So mm-hmm. can he survive with that limited of an offensive role would be my only question. Because it is, for him to hit that value you're talking about, Jared, he's kind of got, he's kind of at an unsustainable number in steals. So like, where do things look when for they sure. level off? On Caruso, but with that said, I it totally makes sense to me why you picked him up and why he's now rostered in thirty two percent of Yahoo leagues. Like that, I get. He's a guy who definitely could have some value despite not scoring a lot of points. And I would say certainly a lot more value in a roto format than a head to head format. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, Uh, takeaway number five of six on our list comes to us courtesy of Aaron Robinson. Aaron. Yes, um, we're going back to the Kings, man. But uh, instead of Harrison Barnes, we're talking about their three-headed monster at the guard position with De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, and Davion Mitchell. I mean, these dudes are special defensively. I mean, watching Davion Mitchell on the ball is one of the most eye-opening. <laughs> I've, I've known if I, I don't know if I've, I've tweeted. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody with the discipline, the foot speed, lateral quickness on defense because he doesn't foul. 
and he just smothers guys like and these aren't like obviously we watched him in the summer league with that clip against James Book Knight, but it was like all right, like he could be able to do this against against real point guards, and then you see Lillard the first night, eight for twenty-four. Yeah. D. Mitch, second night, 9 for 25. And then mm-hmm. Steph Curry last night, 9 for 23. It's like, yo, like, this dude is really out here off night. They call him off night for a reason. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, Steph Curry had 27, but to shoot 9 for 23, 4 15 from 3, like, we'll take that if, if you're, if you're you know, a, a opposing team for Steph Curry. I think watching those guys, I mean, they, they combined for 12 steals uh, in that Utah game. I think De'Aaron Fox had 5, Davion had 4, and uh-huh. uh, Tyrese Halliburton had 3. Which is like obviously last night Halliburton had two blocks and none, none of the other guys were able to record any stats or blocks. But I just love what these guys were able to do defensively. Um, opposing guards are going to have off nights all year long when they, when they travel <laughs> to Sacramento. Um, so I just had to make sure that I gave them some love. And so something to kind of take note of: Davion finally, obviously, was able to get into the scoring book last night. You know, his first two games didn't shoot it well, but last night obviously was able to uh, knock the rust off a little bit. But I just love the, the three guards what they're able to do. Um, specifically on the defensive side of the ball versus some some elite guards, Dame, Steph, and Donovan Mitchell. So I wanted to make sure I gave him some love today. Love it. Jared, do you think that – so we saw Aaron mention this. First two games for Davion Mitchell, a combined two for 14 shooting for five total points. Breaks out 22 points, three threes, four assists on nine of 16 shooting in game three. I mean, that's the big question is – what is he going to give you offensively? Because it looks like he's going to be on the floor a lot based on the early returns, 24, 32, and 32 minutes his first three games. I'm not sure. Like, he's he's definitely a guy who is incredibly good and fun to watch. I'm a little bit concerned about can he be a fantasy player? Um, because he's not going to gamble. He, he just plays straight-up solid defense. He doesn't mm-hmm. really gamble for the steals. So can he all put it together? I mean, I, after last night's game, I'd say he's definitely on the radar in deep leagues. Like, if, yeah. if, if you're in a deeper format, why not pick him up? Can't, but can he be a fantasy player his rookie season? Um, maybe. Definitely worth a look in deep leagues. Nearly four dimes per game through his first three. So even when he wasn't scoring those first couple games, he's getting some playmaking right. opportunities. I think he's interesting. Like you said, he'd be a no doubt pickup for me in like a 12 or 14 team league at this point. If he's somehow out there, he's 25% mm-hmm. rostered in a shallower league than that. I'm, I'm right on the line. I'd say mm-hmm. if you happen to be playing in a shallower league. I agree. My uh, second and final takeaway is a big one. And that kind of ties into Davion Mitchell and Jalen green. We've already talked about, and that is these rookies are really impressive right away. I've been blown away by some of these guys. We always talk about how risky it is to take rookies in fantasy. That narrative is being just wiped off the board so far this year. Uh, Jalen Green, we talked about. Evan Mobley through three, I think it's three games. 15.7 points, 8.3 rebounds, three dimes, 1.3 steals, 2.3 blocks. He's immediately translating as a monster in the NBA. Josh yep. Giddy, we saw him have a breakout game on Sunday. 19 points, 8 boards, 7 dimes, 4 steals. Scotty Barnes had a 25-point, 13-board game over the weekend. He's averaging 18 and 10 so far, waiting for the defensive stats. But if you told anyone Scotty Barnes would be averaging 18 and 10 early on, they would not have believed you. Uh, Chris Duarte is averaging around 20 points and 4 threes per game. His minutes are in the 40s right now. Okay, maybe it comes down when they're healthy. But you don't play someone minutes in the 40s if you're planning to not have them be a big part of your rotation, like, period, right? No one gets minutes in the 40s if they're not a big priority. Even Franz Wagner, I mean, I could go on and on. Franz Wagner <laughs> averaging 13 points, five boards about, getting some steals, some blocks, some threes. He's immediately fantasy relevant. I mean, 
Aaron, we haven't even seen Cade Cunningham yet. What is going on here? Listen, man. I mean, I'm, I'm a college basketball guy. I know this draft class was talking about is one of the one of the best draft class since that 03 draft class with LeBron and Melo and Ooh. D Wade and those guys. And just because of the upside, like he said, we haven't even seen Cade Cunningham yet, the number one pick in this draft, and you've got all these other guys out here doing amazing things in the NBA. And it, it was the reason why you know people talked about this, this draft class that way. But I think a lot of these guys are just you know you look at. Houston and Cleveland and Orlando and OKC, you have those situations where the teams aren't winning and they're not playing for much. So they're letting these guys go out there and rock out and they're talented. So they're going to put up the numbers like the Scotty Barnes in Toronto. I mean, he's, he's, he's so versatile things that he can do from a scoring standpoint, passing, rebound, def- defending. He's so long. Like Toronto loves these long, these long wings with Siakam and Kawhi and, you know, all these guys that, they, that they've had throughout the years. Um, I mean, he just fits right into that mold. So I think, you know, teams have done a great job, of kind of evaluating their needs and then picking guys that, that, that fit into the, into the way that they want to play. And so I think the, the rookies are all going to going to have great years and great careers. And next year, we'll be talking about a lot of these guys as, as, as household names, you know, coming around this time next year. I mean, Jared, when I, I talked about all those names, I know how you feel about Jalen Green. We already talked about Davion Mitchell. You and I were talking a little bit about Josh Giddy, but I just want to hear your perspective on some of these guys that we were just talking about. I mean, are you... I feel like most of these guys to me look like they're going to continue to be contributors. None of this feels real fluky of those names that I mentioned. A hundred percent. Evan Mobley, number three pick, looks incredible. Um, He's going to push Jalen for rookie of the year. And uh, Josh Giddy, those first two games, man, I was all in on him. And he was uh, got off to a really slow start. But I just stayed patient. I hope... None of y'all dropped him because Sunday's game was real nice. All these guys are going to have a ton of opportunity. It it just seems, like Aaron said, man, this draft class is special. A lot of these guys came in ready. And I just want to single out you and say congrats because I am sure you are feeling very good about having uh, Chris Duarte in like pretty much every league. That was an excellent late-round call. So good on you, sir. Thank you. Yeah, that one, I don't know. I was kind of just roll the dice, but I just had a feeling he was too good to, oh, to pick. We'll see. You I mean, we'll it. see. Like, I'm a tiny bit nervous, like, what happens when Levert's back. But, again, like I said, I don't think you play a guy 40-plus minutes uh, if you're mm-hmm. just planning on him disappearing. NBA ready. Yeah, it's funny about Josh Giddy. even when he was having those bad games. I mean, in his first game, he still had 10 rebounds, right? He had a bad game, but there right. were, like, signs. The second game, I think he had, like, four assists, a steal, a block a three or two. So it was like, yeah, not great games, but there were signs that it was coming. And sure, there's going to be turbulence, I think, from a rookie point guard, especially his mm-hmm. age. But that that was the, I mean, 19, eight and seven with four steals, good shooting. Like that is an exciting player. So hopefully uh, some people have some Josh Giddy shares out there. I mean, it's just so fun. Also just to have this influx of new talent. I mean, it's kind of like energized as people who have played, certainly me who's played fantasy basketball for like 92 years. Like it's exciting <laughs> to have this like, influx of new names who like are super relevant right away like is it a lot it's just made this season so much more exciting at the start i think i agree 100 percent. yeah no for sure and i think a quick note on duarte is something that i think he shoots the ball so well 
Yeah. Like he's he's gonna be on the floor regardless. Even when Levert comes back, like the like his his jumper is one of the most beautiful catch and shoot jumpers that I've seen out of guys in a while. I mean, it's it's it looks good every time he, every time he leaves his fingers when he when he yeah. shoots it, man. So I mean, I, I think he'll he'll and he's he's twenty four years old, right? So he, like he's, right. he's he's an older rookie. He's not yeah. like a guy coming in at like Mobley at 18, 19 years old, where you know you got to worry about if he's mature enough. You got to worry about if his body's ready enough. Like he's he's twenty four, so he's gonna he's gonna play the minutes. And I, I think um, Carlisle trusts him. You know, I think the main reason why he trusts him is because of his age um, and the way that he shoots the ball. So I, I think I think he'll he'll still be able to put up some some decent numbers when Levert comes back. Just kind of playing off of him in kind of a catch and shoot role, at least when the Indiana does get healthy. I think yeah. that's also a super important point. This guy's playing for Rick Carlisle. Carlisle yeah, right. is not friendly to rookies. Yeah. So the fact that he has has already established himself in the rotation like he has gives me confidence. Duarte, as Jonas Nader said on Friday's episode, is older than Dr. A, but, uh, but very, <laughs> very effective. And we, we only have about one minute left before we got to run. But I got to say, I was watching. So I was watching the Hawks play the Cavs the other night. And I was like, I don't know. Is it, Evan Mobley looks all right. I didn't have a sense he was even really having a good game. And I looked at the box score and he was at like 15 and 10 with like a steal and three blocks. I was like, my God, yeah. this guy doesn't even look like he's dominating. And he's putting up big numbers. <laughs> so Mobley, man. That was that was the thing in college. A lot of a lot of coaches were like they they were questioning his motor. Like, all right, you know, does this guy love basketball already? Like, he doesn't look like he's playing hard. But he look at the box score. It's like Jesus. <laughs> all <Yeah>. right, <laughs> exactly, well. exactly, crazy. All right, well, a lot more to come on the rookies, and we'll be here Monday every week unpacking the storylines from the past weekend. So that's going to do it for us on this episode, though. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well. We're back every day this week and every week during the season with new episodes. want to say thanks to everyone for watching and listening. Jared, Aaron, thanks to both of you guys for joining me. I will talk to you both soon. Sir, thank you. And uh, King John! <laughs> wow. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.